Welcome back to season five of Find the Outside the Podcast. Season five million. <laughs> no, I Come mean, on. It's, doesn't it feel like we've just been doing this forever? I it mean, does. in a good way, not in like, you know, not in like a dinosaurs are extinct kind of way, in like a, you know, five million. Look how, well, oh my gosh, this is amazing kind of way. Okay. All right. I will take that because I really do love the podcast. It, and it does feel season five. Like we, oh, see, these feel like they're going to be famous last words. Like we sort of know a little bit what we're doing, right? It doesn't, you know, it feels like, okay, we know how to do this season five. We got this together. Also, five is my favorite number. Yeah. So I I think it's, I think it's my father-in-law that I coined the phrase from of uh, often wrong, but never in doubt. (laughs) And uh, (laughs) and I just feel feel like, yeah, we're pretty, we are not in doubt this season. We have certainty. That's right. We're going to do this. To be fair, we're going to continue what we started in season four and do quite a few interviews. And Very we're, excited. We're interviewing awesome people. Inevitably. So, you know, I yeah. mean, that feels like we can be fairly certain with this list of awesome people that it's going to be a cool season. Yeah, yeah. So we'll give you a little insight into who's coming in for season five. Million. You're part of the million club now. You're part of the five. Everyone listening is part of the five million club. I think that means we're going to get five million listeners. Yes. I'm pretty sure. That's exactly. Yeah. Five million more listeners. Yeah. In yeah. addition. To the In addition million. to the current five million exactly. we have. Yeah. Yeah. I like it. Um, I think we should start off with a little bit of like getting people back up to speed with where we're at and what we've been doing. Is that a good place to begin? And then we could do a little bit of kind of like, here's what's going on with the season. And then we've got a couple of things we want to tell you about. Uh, So this is just just a welcome back and a kickoff, my friends. It's lovely to be back in your ears. Thank you for having us in your lives. It's a real honor. That's right. That's right. I am thrilled to be back. I'm thrilled to be launching again this season. And I think that's a great place to start. So I'm just going to say, Tim, what you been up to? What's going on? How are you? I'm all right. I'm all right. I mean, like, you know... We are rebuilding the business on the other mm-hmm. side of COVID, you know? So like mm-hmm. just before I went away, I went to see my mum and dad, took the kids to go see my mum and dad in England. And then we went up to see Tolkien, Denmark, and then uh, some other friends, close friends of mine in Copenhagen and things like that. Um, but we definitely like had a real surge of work before I went away mm-hmm. where we landed what I think are some really significant and really exciting gigs, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. And then you go away on holiday and then you come back and you're like, right, now we got to do the gigs. <laughs> that's right. So that's, that's right. a little bit where I'm at, like, you know, and, and the, the time away was wicked. It was just full of people I love who I haven't seen for too long from being in Copenhagen and seeing Ole Chris Sorensen from Bigger Picture and his wife, Natalka and their kids, you know, to seeing Mila Boyer and, uh, and then going up and seeing Tolkien Monica in the north of Denmark, back to the UK, seeing my mum and dad, my brother and uh, my, my nephews and having all the cousins playing together, Harry Potter world. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, we did it. We did it. Oh, and uh, just in case the just in case the listeners can hear the sound in the background, I had a choice today when I came to record of like, do I record at home where there is a multitude of screaming children in the background, <laughs> or do I record at the office where they're currently installing the air conditioning system, as in they're drilling holes through the walls with very large jackhammer drills? So I went for the office in the hope that it would be quieter. I don't know if it is. Anyway. There it goes. We'll just have to work with it, won't we? 
We'll just have to work with it. I don't, I'm sure it's bad on your end. Right. For me, it doesn't feel that bad. It feels Good. like a slight buzz in the background. Great. You know. That but is, it's worth knowing that's what it is. I mean, yeah, people yeah. could be imagining anything. Strange. What is that noise Tim is making? Is that a noise Tim is making? Is that a noise? <laughs> well, I mean, is it does. Is that a noise in Tim's surrounding? You know? And there is that horror movie Saw, right? It <gasps> sounds like a saw. I've never watched it. Eileen asked me last night. My daughter asked me last night. No way. She's like, how do you feel about horror movies? I was like, have you ever seen me watch one? No. Like, no, I, no. Horror movies are not, nope, not for me. No, thank you. So instead, oh, Tim. Okay. Podcast listeners, you'll, you'll, sometimes Tim and I go off a little bit on a tangent. So I'm just about to go off on a tangent. I have discovered, and then I will tell you about my summer and what I'm up to, but I have recently discovered the show the extraordinary attorney woo. <gasps> oh, Netflix. I'm in love with it. It's a really? Korean show about an autistic attorney young woman. Yeah. It is like just the right amount of tension because it's got a little courtroom drama to it, Ooh. but also totally quirky and whimsical and happy. And I cry at least once or twice a show because oh, it's cool. so sweet. Cool. I've and just that, started I've just started yeah. playing a video game with 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 my sons called oh. League of Legends. And we actually all play together against other people. Oh. And we have little teams and strategies. I'm trying oh. to follow them, you know. If you can't beat them, join them. You yeah, know yeah. what I mean? Keep totally. the channels open to the kids, you know. That so. is exactly the other night Eileen had me watch while she <laughs> played a video game. And there was a part of me because my oldest child recently went for college, which is a huge big deal in my summer, that I mm -hmm. kind of thought maybe I was over that mama watched me play a video game thing. <laughs> but now it's coming back. And I'm yeah. like, right on. I'm just happy to spend time with you. Okay. Yeah. What does yeah. that little gremlin mean? Yeah. I can be interested for an hour. You could, I, I bet you there's a way you could play with her. Yeah, but I don't want to. No, no. no. I'm a, I'm Samira. In this game, which is this super cool female character who's like an assassin from distance, Ooh. but has multiple combo moves when she goes in. Very cool. Nice. Yeah. Well, like yeah. you said, if you can't beat them, join them, however that looks. Exactly. So That's, that's true. I love that. Your summer, come on. Yeah, okay. So my summer has been big. It's been a big summer. So I kind of laughed because, you know, we try to close the outside kind of most of August, right? So hmm. we can have like a block of time. That mm -hmm. is not what my summer was. I did kind of like something almost every month instead of taking the block of time, starting in June, where I got oh, engaged. Yeah, right. Remember? Woo, woo, woo. I know. Went to Puerto Rico and got engaged to Gibran. So that was lovely and Yay. wonderful and big and life-changing. And um, so that was great. And then um, in August... My oldest child left for college, which was just, you know, I don't, I still, I'm still in it. I'm still like, he's been gone like three weeks now and I'm still just kind of figuring out like Eileen and I are figuring out like, what is this life we have without, you know, one of the central figures being in our house every mm. single day. And it was totally. very, you know, I went back and forth between grief and excitement, but, um, now it just feels a little strange. It just feels like, oh, when I think about coming home, it's not to two children, it's to one. When I mm. think about Zane, he's seven hours away. Uh, so it's great. It's really 
awesome and it's really strange. And sometimes I feel really sad, but mostly I feel excited and it's just all of the things. It feels like all of the things. Yeah. But in some ways, you know, listener, when we talk about some of, we talk about what Tim and I are experiencing, one of the things I want to say is like, it's all of the things, but it feels incredibly uncomplicated, Hmm. right? Like it feels quite easy for like the grief of missing him to be alongside the happiness or excitement for him, which feels like, and my concern for his little sister, who's kind of lost without him, but also some of our kind of like funny, sneaky joy because we get to eat more Asian food than we ever could when he was around. Like, it's just like, it's, (laughs) you know, it's like all of the things. Um, And so, and it feels really easy. It feels, it feels like much emotion, but they don't feel complicated, right? They just feel like what emotion is. So that's kind of cool. And, uh, and then I, like the last like big kind of movement of the summer is I just got back from Burning Man. Burn the man. Yeah. Burn. Man. <laughs> and at some point, maybe we should have a podcast about Burning Man because I can't even begin. I would love that. That's yeah. a cool idea. Yeah. Right? And we could have like, we could have people on because the thing that Everyone occurred- I tell that you went to Burning Man, they're like, oh, she's so cool. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> they do. Yeah, yeah. Oh, she's so cool. You go, oh, Tuesday's so cool. Oh, God, love them. Yes, uh, mate. I am probably the least coolest person at Burning Man. It's true. I mean, I it's, I look around our camp and the camp that we camp at is a kind of queer femme BIPOC led camp mm-hmm. artists. I look around and I'm like, why did I get invited to this party? Uh, but I love it. And it's amazing. And it's uh, it's really I think, you know, the thing that was amazing to me is last time I went, our camp did an action. Right. So we led um, a march up to Burning Man's board to kind of to to invite them, which is really great language. It really shifted from like demands to like invite them to like Mm. actually make their radical inclusion principle mean racial inclusion. Right. So Mm. like Burning Man's like 70 to 80,000 people a year, usually less than one percent black. But it's just like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Oh, I did. That's not. I mean, all I hear are your stories and the people you're hanging out with. Yeah. So I imagine it is like a super racially diverse oh, place. No. You know? Yeah. Really? No, not at all. Oh, not at so all. So weird. That is not what I've had in my head at right. all. Yeah, because it's not my experience, right? My camp is all people of color, and so those are the thirty or forty people I hang out with all the time. Those are the pictures you see, right? Like, so it's a very different. So we did this action, first political action on Burning Man. We. We um, march up, had 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 uh, signs and flags and all of this stuff, and the Burning Man organization didn't show up. Oh dear! So they just didn't even show up. They just like so, and it was intense, right? It was quite intense. Well, in the three years since Burning Man has happened, right, with COVID and mm. the racial uprising, everything has changed. Oh, everything good. has changed. So uh, we went to. Um, uh, art installation called Black Ashe, which is was was developed by the Black Burner Project. Hmm. She always does a group photo for all Black Burners every year. This year, I mean, I don't know the number. It had to be at least 500. Some people estimated up to 1,000. It was amazing. It's like to Yay. just go and have all of these melanated folks dancing and being happy to be Black at Burning Man. And, and, and you could in, in our camp, right? People at our camp have been working with the Burning Man organization. The Black Burner Project's been working with the Burning Man organization. It's like you could see 
change happen in three years. And it wow. was that's so great. Astounding. It was astounding. So, so much to say about Burning Man, but that was like one of the things. And I, and I always just say like, just like anything with 80,000 people at it, like, of course they're like eight, 10, 20, a thousand different Burning Mans. My particular Burning Man was incredibly loving and inclusive and, and radical this year. So that was great. And I'm just back. I mean, it, it, it really is this incredible experimentation place in alternative viable futures, isn't it? I mean, that's really uh -huh. what's up. People are really looking at like, well, how could we be different? How could we govern this and different? What, yes. what could we do that would accelerate our path into a future that is more equitable, that it is more uh, kind, that is in greater relationship to the planet, that has alternative economies? I mean, it's yes. like really in those, it's on the, you know, it's, it's surfing the bow wave of much of yeah. what's currently mainstream thinking or the attempt within the mainstream, right? Exactly. Yeah. So it's just, it's really amazing. It's physically hard and, and spiritually and emotionally magical and hard too. So yeah, it was mm. great. So I'm just back from that and settling back into like work. And like you said, you know, going from the the summer, okay, things are coming together. We're building something again. Like we're rebuilding to now it's like, okay, we're traveling here. Get this, get this agenda done. Get this done. Like we're just like back into the work again, um, which is, you know, has its own kind of exhilaration. I'm looking forward to being together next week. Oh, me too. I keep telling people we're going to the Virgin Islands and they're all like, oh, well, yeah, go, go on the beach. And I'm like, no, I'm going there to work. Like, I'm going to be in like, meetings. I'm going from hotels to offices. Like we've got an enormous amount of stakeholder engagement to do. And like uh -huh. everyone's just like, oh, yeah, Virgin Islands. Yeah. You're <laughs> going to. And I'm like, dude, you know. And so I can really understand, you know, like when people react like that. Yeah. Because one of the first pieces of cultural advice we got about going to the Virgin Islands, the segment was like, don't turn up in your flip-flops. Yeah. Like as a consultant coming in or someone who's coming in to support work in the community, like, you know, you know you're here yeah. to work, you know. And uh, and so, so we just, yeah, it's been interesting. I'm looking forward to seeing you there too, you yeah. know. And going on a seaplane. I'm going to go on a seaplane. It's going to be crazy. Ugh. Okay. Well, better you than me is what I have to say. So glad. So listener, we were talking about it. And we were trying to figure out which of us was going to like hop over to the other island. And Tim was like, I'll do it. And I'm like, yes, that makes me feel so good. Yeah. <laughs> no desire to be on a seaplane. No, it doesn't make you happy. No, it makes me no. the exact opposite. Yeah, it really so, does. That's all right. That's all right. Well, we've got a pretty sweet season on the podcast coming up, right? Mm -hmm. You know, like some of the folks that we have coming in, very exciting. And we're still doing some of the interviews, some of the interviews we've done, you know. I'm looking forward. One of the ones we're doing this week is um, Zaid Hassan. And uh, I'm looking forward to that because, again, he's one of those blokes that I knew really early in my career. I kind of started out this line of work with him. And then, we, you know, we've kept in touch with each other over the years, you know, but I, I mean, I quote him and I often use the same quote every single time <laughs> I quote him, which is that you can't, you know, most efforts that change fail because people fail to see reality. And, uh, and it's just stuck with me forever, you know, so I, I'm definitely going to ask him about that and, you know, just be like, hey, I say this all the time and I quote you all the time, you know. But um, but I like you know at least for me some of the some of the interviews last year were people who I'd met early on in my career mm -hmm. who've evolved and really leapt on and to be able to circle back and bring those people back into our worlds is 
I mean, it's quite exciting, isn't it? It is. It is. Um, and I'll be looking forward to Zaid because I've only actually met him in person once. That interesting. Oh. So like we've kind of orbited around each other yeah. in a lot of ways, know a lot of the same people, obviously, but I don't actually have a relationship with him. And so I'm, I'll be really interested to, to drop into that interview. Same thing this week. We're uh, interviewing Bio Akamalafe. I'm not sure if I said that name exactly correctly, because even though we know we know him, Tim, we do. Like just to say, like we know him and um and have met him, um, for whatever reason, um, just now as he's exploding onto the scene, he was so gracious to agree to be interviewed with us. And I think his thinking, you know, when I read what he's written, I think, oh, this person, I don't know how he identifies himself. Like I don't know if he says he's a futurist, but there's no doubt for me that he's calling in a future. Like there's just right. no doubt mm -hmm. that that is what he's doing with both mm -hmm. his writing and his thinking and like you know and his way of of uh being in the world and expressing what's happening you know like one of the questions i want to ask him is like we're in systems change i'm pretty sure that's not how he imagines his role in the world at all and yet i think he's shifting big things right yeah so i can't wait to talk with him about how he both conceives because his conceptions are so brilliant and different, but also then manages to make that into some kind of poetic, deep language, oh, right? That's yeah. like, that yeah. is just on the edge of accessible, but yeah. moves us into a future. Wait, wait. Yeah. And Andrew Grant Thomas. Well, that one, I mean, I'm pretty sure I say at the front of that interview, like, oh my gosh, I have two of my favorite people in the same Zoom so room. So nice. What am I going to do? So Andrew Grant Thomas runs a project called Embrace Race, which he um, he left both racial uh, justice, <laughs> philanthropy. Rosie, that's enough. So Andrew Grant Thomas went from doing... <laughs> racial justice, philanthropy, and um, kind of academic work to launching this effort called Embrace Race with his partner um, to help parents and their ch children and their parents really have conversations and healthy development around race. And so he's kind of like this big brain person who's like taken all of this knowledge and skill into families and children, right? So he's like super awesome, super funny, super humble. And then to like to have him with you also super big brain person, right? Just like, I just, I was in heaven. I was in heaven in this interview with like two of my favorite people in the world talking with each other. I was just nice. kind of like, I just want to kind of like watch what you Yay. made me talk. We've also got Richard Beard coming up this season, which Ooh. is nice. So he's done, a, he's done, he's a very uh, kind of interesting, right? He wrote a book called Sad Little Men, which is, which is really looking at um, kind of the impacts of uh, the kind of education of the elite um, uh, in, in the UK and then how that plays out in relationship to leadership. So it's uh, so he's good, and he's written some very provocative literature, uh, kind of around the role that these people play in society and what happens to them as a result of the education they go through. So that was really great for me because you know I'd obviously read his book and I was like, oh, this is remarkable. I wonder if he'd come on. And I think what I liked about the book was that it was angry, you know. And I think so much of this stuff is people are trying to provide an analysis, you know, and trying to make a reasoned argument. And I loved his book because he was just pissed off. You know, and um, and uh, so it was great to have him on the pod too. I loved, I loved having that interview. You know, 
I loved it too. I liked him a lot. Uh, but what I really loved about the interview was how I could sit back and like watch the culture you all share oh. just be in the air. Yeah. Right. I was like, oh, I bet like, I think I'm probably not getting 75% of what's happening here. Like that these two are just kind of like understanding that I don't understand. I mean, I found it completely, oh, totally, totally enjoyable. Just like your mannerisms, the pauses, when people chose to speak, I was like, there is a whole lot happening here and I don't understand it, but that's cool. Cause I just get to like be swimming in it. I loved nice. it. Love it. Hey, you did a you did an interview with Jamie Gamble, didn't you? Didn't you and yes. Gabe do that one? Abe and I did an interview with Jamie Gamble, who is a developmental evaluation expert, uh, kind of a big name in Canada and across the world in developmental evaluation. I mean, he's Mister Developmental Evaluation yeah. in Canada. You know? Yeah, and it was I mean, awesome. It, really is. Oh, it was cool. awesome. I mean, I just thought, I just thought, like, what? I, I keep using the word humble. Like, it's just, I mm. wonder if that's like something I really value. Like, I'm just yeah. thinking, I haven't particularly imagined I humble, but he was like so humble. Like, again, someone who was so knowledgeable, so curious, and so humble, right? And just like really happy to to kind of ask Gabe and I questions about where we're practicing developmental evaluation, as well as share what he's doing and and mm. kind of share it from a really a place of this is what I'm learning, this is what I do. You know, um, I really, really, really enjoyed that interview. Hey, look, I, a couple more, a couple more. So Cindy Suarez is back. Oh, yeah. Very exciting in our author series, right? You know, mm -hmm. so we've got uh, Zaid, Richard and Cindy in uh, kind of in our author series, which is very exciting. Um, uh, and then, Remember, Cindy uh, wrote the power manual, just to remind folks, right. if you didn't hear yeah. the first interview, she talks about power and uh, she's running nonprofit quarterly. So she's doing a lot of writing and articulating and uh, influencing the field right now through her writing. Exactly. And then uh, and then we also have uh, Juanita and Tennyson Wolf coming in. Oh, yeah. That right? was a fun one, huh? It was an amazing little interview, wasn't it? I mean, these are folks both of us have known for a long time, but don't necessarily intersect with a huge amount. Mm -hmm. And but they're they, they're working cross racially. They're working across gender. They're working across nationality and they're delivering very deep, complex work. So I, I always love like how generative those conversations become when we get to work with other teams like ours, mm -hmm. you know? Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. And not like our team, but... But still, long-term colleagues and working across gender would be Chris Corrigan and Caitlin Frost. That's right? true. That's right. See, like they're working a lot in complexity and a lot in, and I thought it was so fascinating. You know, Caitlin talked about her work with the work being about mm. working with inner complexity, which I just loved. Mm. I loved that mm. kind of shift in their thinking that all their work is around complexity and it shows up at different places or different levels. Yeah. Um, and the well-being blueprint. Alexander and Natalie. That's right. That's right. This is like these folks um, are coming to us both with a national project around increasing well-being, which is then partnering with a national project around. Uh, it's not even like I mean I think I might have said like um, you know like uh, systems change around juvenile justice or juvenile justice systems, but no, he was like full on abolition of these systems, yeah. right? Like well-being yeah. through abolition of these yeah. systems. So that was. Yeah. Awesome. That yeah, was awesome. Really interesting. And then and then uh, we've got Sean Rutland coming in, who's the CEO of Hutch Games. I mean, Hutch Games was a was a is a 
is was a game startup that sold 18 months ago for 375 million right they've currently instituted the four-day week my mate dave works there i'm like when do you actually work because they're always like <laughs> they're always going out for like kombucha parties <laughs> and uh taking walks and like uh, having you know get togethers and i'm like what is this culture where you all like seem to hang out more than you work but somehow it's incredibly productive and successful anyway and lucrative. so incredibly lucrative you know and and the and the way it would I mean the sale was fantastic for everybody because everybody who was working at the company got profit share right um because that was how the business was built like it was built to lift everybody oh, so he's awesome. going to be fascinating to talk to and you know like and, and we and we're asking him in to really kind of talk about kind of how you build culture within these organizations mm. you know that um uh that kind of like creates belonging Really, nice. which is what he's, which is what he's, he was just on CNN recently. Did you know that? Anyway, I did not know that. Yeah. He was on CNN that. talking about the four day work week, you know, cause they just did it. Well, then yeah. I'm going to be thrilled to have him talk with us. I mean, yeah. our, our, our pre-call was amazing. I was like, that's a dude. That's a really smart, happy, <laughs> seems like well-adjusted dude. I know. Right. And really different from the other voices we often get right. on. Right. Yeah, I yeah. love it that we're getting like a yeah. kind of like, uh, you know, a CEO of a games company coming in. It's just yeah. like, oh, what a wicked, what a wicked range yeah. of voices. We're who cares about year. equity, right? Like yeah. who, you know, who's like oh my thinking gosh, yeah. about those issues too. Yeah. Love it. So friends, I think we're up for a really good season. We can't wait to enjoy the ride with you. That's some insights into what's coming. And then also, if you, if you want to, if you want to do more than just listen to us. Yes. If you actually want to come and engage with us, be with us. and like dive in, we are going to be launching the uh, Activating Change program again. It's actually the full title is Activating Equitable and Enduring Change. But it's a, it's a four-month cohort where you get to spend, spend time with Tuesday and I. There's two days at the beginning and end and then coaching that runs through it. Um, and it's a real deep dive into, uh, into this work. And do you want to say a bit about it, Choose, before I just kind of like ramble on? Well, yeah. I think what I would say is, um, I mean, I hope folks want to spend more time with Tim and I. And I think that that's like a, an, an amazing opportunity of this cohort. But truly, last time, it was the people. Yeah, the people that's so from true. All over the world so who true. came together for these four months and like not only were committed, but to their work and their own kind of self-reflection and leadership development, but to each other's. The amount, they're still meeting right? They're still like using the signal, right? They're still talking with each other from these different vantage points, all the way from like folks working in the Vatican to people who are working in youth justice in Minneapolis to people. I mean, like, it's like the amount, the breadth of the folks in the program was just, for me, it was as much of a draw as the content. Um, and, and hopefully we're a draw too, but I would just say like, if you are interested in, in, looking more deeply into your leadership and making it more possible for yourself to think about how do I do this kind of big change in an equitable way and a way that's sustainable, please consider joining the cohort. It starts January, right? Yeah, it does start January. Um, and uh, uh, registration is open. There are a certain number of seats that have already been gone before we even get to registration. Right. There's a maximum right. of 30 places we can take. Right. Um, uh, we do do payment plans. We do do, we do have the ability to sponsor people to participate. So don't hold back, like come and like, get in touch. If you're keen, we'll yeah. figure it out. Yeah. Right. We'll figure it out. Yeah. Awesome. I think that sets us up for season five. I Maybe a bit so. too much. I hope you're still with us. You're still listening. Thanks for listening. <laughs> if you're still here, thank you. 
I know. I'm looking out the window and seeing my son kicking a football around on the soccer field. That we've just, you know, nice that you just saved the hawthorn tree. Yeah, we just saved a hawthorn tree there. We did. We saved a hawthorn tree. Put a, put a walking tr- walking track around the outside. Leveled it all up. We've now got a community soccer field where we just had a field. You know, backstop fencing. Awesome. So awesome. All right. Take care, friends. Thank you so much. We'll see you season five. <laughs>